Jen men- mentioned the uh, Love of God conference that's coming at the end of the month on October 31st, and the title of that is Knowing and Believing the Love of God. And you know, knowing something's not enough, is it? You have to believe it as well. What we're going to do is when we have knowledge, and when we have knowledge of something and we believe it, in particular, the love of God, what that's going to do is open up for us that we can receive from the Lord in a way that we didn't before. A lot of our not receiving comes out of condemnation. Comes out of wrong beliefs that we wouldn't admit it when we would say, no, God doesn't love me. No, we would all say He loves us, but yet there's an idea that people get that somehow God is holding them over here in the corner of the throne room, instead of right up here front and center. And so that's what we're going to look at. Knowing and believing the love of God. October 31st, it'll be on a Saturday night, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. And we're going to just have a God time. And I believe that it is by divine appointment. As I, The Lord put the sermon series that we started last week As he put that on my heart, he instructed me that I should get Kurt up here towards the beginning of this series to be able to speak on this issue of the love of God, because sometimes that's the blockage for us not receiving. And so I called him up and he was able to come at the end of the month and you say, well, you already started the series. I thought you said toward the beginning. Oh, it's going to be a long series. (laughs) And so uh, it is toward the beginning even when he comes at the end of the month. So turn in your Bible with me over to Luke chapter 5. And we are endeavoring to answer a question that a man here in Luke chapter 5 and verse 12 that he had. And we looked at this last week. We, we started here in Luke chapter 5 and so we're just going to do it again. Luke chapter 5 verse 12. While he, this is speaking of Jesus, while he was in one of the towns, a man was there who had a Serious skin disease all over him. Other translations call it leprosy. And notice that it's Dr. Luke who is writing this. He was a physician. And he makes the distinction that some of the others didn't make when he says he was covered in it. Or he was full of leprosy. So he is showing the severity of the condition. He saw Jesus fell face down and begged him, Lord, if, everyone say if, If you are willing, you can make me clean. And right there is where millions of church folks all around the world are at that same place today. If you're willing, Lord. And so that's what we're endeavoring to do is to answer that question of is the Lord willing to heal everyone? And we decided that we're going to look, we're going to use the Scripture to determine that and not our experiences. Because if we use our experiences, we'll get off into the weeds real fast. Because our experiences, how many know your experience doesn't always line up with the Word of God? And so what we're looking to do is align ourselves with the Word of God and let our experiences come in line with that as well. And so here we have um, the question, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. So he reaches out his hand, he touched him, and saying, I am willing, 
be made clean. And immediately he was clean, whole, healed. Jesus answered this question very, very straightforward. He didn't, this would have been a perfect opportunity for him to say, well now, I'm trying to teach you something. You know, the Father has good plan for you, and that's why you have this leprosy all over you. And um, on and on and on, but he didn't. He answered the simple question of, if you're willing, he said, I'm willing. And reached out, touches him, and he is made clear. Now, we looked at all kinds of scriptures last week. Hebrews 13.8 tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that he's not a respecter of persons. So if he would do that for the guy back here in Luke chapter 5, why would he not do that if he is the same for somebody today that comes to him and says, if you're willing? Would he have a different answer today? No, because he's not a respecter of persons. He doesn't show favoritism. And the Gospel is, salvation is an equal opportunity thing. Everyone has opportunity to it. So this is the good news. The good news. It's called the Gospel. If you're willing, you can make me clean. And he was willing. So we, last week we asked the question, how can we find the will of God? Because if you don't know what God's will is about a matter, you can't be in faith for anything except be in faith to know the will of God. So, should I go? Should I not go? If you don't know, you can't be in faith to go. If you're not certain that the Lord wants you to go. But as soon as you have His heart on it, His will on it, now you can get into faith and say, alright, I'm going. Because the Lord wants me to go. Even when you don't see a way to go. Even when you're up against the Red Sea and there's no way across. Right? So you put your faith to the Word of God. So what we find is we need to know what does the Word say? About healing in particular. And we're going to look at reason after reason after reason after reason why we believe healing is the will of God today for everyone. And we're going to look at enough reasons that will settle with finality in your mind is healing for today. And we're going to answer some hard questions too because. Um, there are questions that people have and say, well, what about this case? And what about here? And what about there? And what does the Word say? And how do, we, how do we understand Scripture? Well, through the lens of other Scripture, right? You always look at, well, what happened in this case? What happened over here? What happened over... Does this line up with these other witnesses in Scripture? We don't just make a doctrine on, on one witness, but Jesus said you need two or three. In the law, way before Jesus, the law was you needed two or three to establish anything. And so we're going to have many witnesses. Probably more than 20. Maybe 25, maybe more. And we're going to have lots of reasons. Uh, reasons. I said witnesses. Because each, each week we'll have lots of witnesses for each reason. <laughs> so how do we find the will of God? That asks another question. Is everything that happens the will of God? Not everything that happens is God's will. Is it God's will that someone go to hell? Nope. It's not His will that any should perish. So this right here just brings us to the subject of judgment. Yeah, but what about judgment, people will say. Well, judgment isn't God's will. It's called judgment. 
His will is that none should perish. That they not get this and die and go to hell. And so His, his judgment is not His will. It's simply His hand is forced. The rules that He has put into motion, we have chosen and chosen wrongly if we wind up judged. The beauty of that is, is the Lord gives us opportunity to judge ourselves. And man, there's freedom in that. If you'll judge yourself, that's much better than being judged by others. Some people determine the will of God by, well, if it happens, it was God's will. If it doesn't happen, it wasn't His will. And, you know, the business opportunity didn't work out. It must have not been God's will. Um, that house must have not been God's will because, well, we didn't wind up there. Really? That's how we determine God's will? Whether it happened or not? No. That's not how we decide His will. In fact, in Ephesians 5.17, it says, don't be foolish and know what the will of God is. So we're told to know it. We are commanded to know it. Romans 12.2 tells us, don't be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Say, my mind. My mind. Here's the reason why. So that you may discern, or that you may decide, or that you may judge what is the good, the pleasing and perfect will of God. He expects you to be able to find and know and accomplish the will that pleases Him perfectly. And so the responsibility of that is on us. You know, Sometimes we'll go to the Lord and we'll ask for instruction and we're not hearing it, but it's not because He's not wanting to lead us. The sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. That tells us He desires to lead us even more than we desire to be led. So if there's a blockage somewhere, it's usually on our part. Not usually. Always. So, how can we find the will of God? You find the will of God in the Word of God. That's where you find His will. Right here in this book. We have a whole book full of His will. Example after example after example. Straight instruction from Him that tells us, do this, don't do that. It's His will. He makes it super, super clear to us. And so, we are going to establish from Scripture that healing is God's will. Let's go to Acts chapter 17, and then we'll go on into some more exciting things. Further. <clears throat> Acts chapter 17, verse 2 tells us this. As usual, someone say usual. So this seems to have been Paul's habit. Paul went to them on three Sabbath days. So I guess we're meeting on Sabbath days now. Uh, <laughs> so we're like Paul. He went to them on three Sabbath days and reasoned. Say reasoned. He reasoned with them from where? From the Scriptures. He reasoned with them from the Scriptures. And we see here that he explaining, he was explaining, he was showing that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead, saying that this is the Messiah Jesus whom I am proclaiming to you. What did he use as his authority to show them? He used scripture. This is what this was his method, his usual method of showing people was reasoning from scripture. And so that's what we're going to do as well. Since we're here in Acts, let's just go over to chapter 14. Why did he reason with them from scripture? Because 
what you hear can make all the difference in your life. Faith comes by hearing, right? Through the ear gate. So faith comes by hearing the Word of God, the anointed Word. And so as he reasoned with them from Scripture, that allowed faith to come into his hearer to believe. In fact, in Romans 10, how does it tell us we get saved? We believe in our heart and confess with our mouth. But if you'll back up a little bit or go on a little further, it says, how can anyone go unless they're sent? How can they be saved unless there is a preacher? It needs to be told. And at the telling of it, faith comes and then you can grab a hold of it. Here in Acts chapter 14 is an example of this. In verse 8, in Lystria, a man without strength in his feet, lame from birth, who had never walked, sat, and he did what? He heard Paul speaking. Now, I don't know exactly what Paul was speaking. Over in that other case, it says that he reasoned as usual from the Scriptures. So, I imagine he was telling them Scriptures. Maybe he was telling some testimonies of people that the Lord had healed. I don't know exactly what he was saying, but I am confident of something he was not saying. He wasn't telling them that it's God's will for you to be sick. He wasn't telling them that sometimes God doesn't want to heal you. He's trying to teach something to you. He's trying to build character in you. He wasn't telling them that the Lord is trying to, you know, it's for your good that you have this. Because that doesn't build faith for anyone to be healed. And so, what he, he, he was telling him something, and whatever it was, this man was listening, and it says after observing him closely, he saw, he could see, this guy had faith to be healed. He could see it. It was visible. And, of course, then he says, stand up straight in a loud voice, shouted out to him. He didn't go over and help him up or anything. He just called out to him over there wherever he was. Stand up on your feet. That's a pretty crazy command for someone who's lame, right? It's a pretty amazing command. And he jumped right up and you can read the rest of the story tonight in your quiet time. So we're looking at reason after reason after reason from Scripture that is revealing that healing is God's will for everyone. So reason number one that we believe healing is for everyone is because... The Word of God is medicine. The Word of God is medicine. Let's go to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 4. And in Proverbs, we will see... <clears throat> how many know that the Proverbs are not just poetry? Proverbs chapter 4, let's look down in verse 20. My son, pay attention to My words. Are we children of the Father? Should we pay attention to His words? So pay attention to My words. Listen closely. This word listen means to hear intelligently. To hear with the intent to do. Listen closely to My sayings. That's His word. Don't lose sight of them. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. They are life. Life to those who find them. To those who, that word is acquire them. To those who acquire them. You know, when you acquire something, it takes some effort. 
We don't just sit under the cherry tree and let them fall down into our basket. You got to go pick them. Right? So it's there for the picking, but you got to put in the effort to reach out and take hold, lay hold of it. And so here, for those who find them, their life and health, this word health means healing or medicine to one's whole body, one's whole flesh. So the Word of God, the sayings of God are life to you and they are health to you. Health to you. God's creative power comes through His Word, right? I mean, all the way back in creation. Isn't that how things were created? Is by the Word of God? And if the Word of God could create all these planets and the sun and the moon and spin them all and put them in motion and, and, and the Word of God can even... It says it's holding all these things together. The reason this planet hasn't already stopped or spun out into somewhere it doesn't belong is because the Word of God is holding things. The command is ongoing. He spoke it, and it's going to go until He tells it to stop. So, the Word of God carries within it power. We see the Word of Jesus carried power, right? Remember the guy that came to Him for healing for His servant? and He said, well, just, just say the Word and it'll be so. You don't even need to come to my house. Just say it. Because He recognized the power in the Word of God. Words can create Words can heal. What does it say here? They are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Now, is this true? Maybe it's just riddles and rhymes. God's Word is medicine. Medicine is this Word. His Word is is medicine. If you take enough of God's medicine, His Word, long enough, you will be healed. If you take enough of God's Word long enough, it will heal you. You know, doctors do this. You go into a doctor and you you have an ailment, a problem, and they give you some sort of medication and they send you home. They don't tell you just take one pill and it's done. You're, You're healed. You're on the road. No, they'll usually prescribe you a length of the time. You know, it's day after day of taking this pill and allowing it to work in you and it's working in a corrective way in you and eventually, once enough time passes, the problem is won. Well, why do we think it's so much different reading the Word of God as medicine for us? It takes time sometimes. There are miracles in the moment, but our general faith that we walk and operate in as believers, if we're not in the gifts of the Spirit of miracles happening, it's going to take a process of time. And so, we see that the Word of God is medicine. And usually it's going to take more than just one dose. Right? Now, one dose could be a miracle. Right? It comes at hearing and that miracle is released from the Lord. Alright, in, in Hebrews 4, it tells us, put that one up on the screen if you would. Hebrews 4.12 And if the Word of God is medicine, then this next witness we're going to read is also true. Hebrews 4.12 in the Holman. It says, For the Word of God is living. It's alive. The Word of God is alive. It's active. It's not dormant, stale, and dead. 
It's not useless and ineffective. It hasn't been neutered. The Word of God is still alive. Just as much as, is God half dead? Then His Word is fully alive still. Yeah, God's not dead. That's right. His Word is living. It is effective. It's sharper than any double-edged sword penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit. Joints and marrow. It is able to judge the ideas and thoughts of the heart. Think imaginations. Imaginations and your logic. Your thoughts and your ideas. It's able to judge between those things. So if the Word of God is alive, now it makes sense why the Word of God would be medicine to us. Because it's alive. It's a living thing. The Word of God. In fact, we can even say more to that. You know, in John chapter 1, in the Gospel of John, it talks about Jesus is the Word of God. And the Word became flesh. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And the Word became flesh is what it tells us later on in that same chapter. So Jesus is the Word. Is Jesus alive? Yes. Let's go back to Proverbs chapter 4. Maybe you're still there. 4 and and verse 20. Let's read it again. My son, pay attention to my words. And that means you cock your head, you prick your ears like a dog listening to a violin, you know? You're paying attention, man. You're, You're looking. Pay attention to His words like your pet pays attention when you eat a snack. (laughs) Eyes on you, right? Pay attention to My words. Listen closely to My sayings. Don't lose sight of them. Man, you're going to keep them in front of you. You're going to keep the medicine in front of you. Keeping them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and medicine to one's whole body. The EBR translation reads, for life they are to them who find them, and to every part of one's flesh they bring healing. Every part of one's flesh, His words, His sayings, bring healing. Let's back up to verse 10. It says, listen, that's again here intelligently, listen my son, accept my words, and you will live Many years. That takes health, right? That takes health to live a long time. I mean, there's all kinds of things out there that like to kill us. From viruses and bacteria. I mean, there's enough bacteria in this room to kill all of us. But God has made our bodies wonderfully. And they, He has made our bodies to be able to adapt to things, to overcome things, to shut certain things down. So, if we're going to have a long life, what what needs to happen? We need to listen. We need to accept His words. You're not just entitled to your own opinion. You can have your own opinion, but you're not entitled to it. If you are a child of God, you're entitled to His opinion. Accept My words and you will live many years. Many years. Not cut short. So he's saying that healing is not for everybody. He's saying that the Word of God is not for everybody. 
saying that healing is not the will of God for everyone, means then, then his, medicine, his me- word is not medicine to everyone. That verse is a lie. Why would God's word be health to your flesh if it wasn't God's will for you to be healed? He'd be working against himself, wouldn't he? Like, whoops, he took another one of my healing pills. Here, send him some more leprosy. That, that just doesn't make sense, does it? God does, God's not a schizophrenic. It'll work. These words, these, this medicine will work for them that believe. Them that believe. Do you accept His words? Do you listen and pay attention to His words? Understanding it isn't necessary. You can still believe it. You don't have to understand how that little white pill the doctor gave you does all the things it's supposed to do for you. You just have to take it. And the next day, yeah, that really helped that problem. (laughs) Well, it's the same way with this. You don't have to understand how it all works and functions. You just have to be obedient and listen. Put it before your eyes. Don't let it depart from your heart. Take it. Eat it. And become healthier. Let's go to Psalms 107. 107 verse 20. See, His words are valuable to us. And it's going to be like the psalmist said in 119. He said, I rejoice at Your Word like one who finds great treasure. I rejoice at Your Word. Why would you rejoice over something that didn't work and was ineffective? You wouldn't. So rejoicing is part of believing. We'll get into that later probably. Psalms 107 verse 20 tells us, He sent His Word and healed them. He rescued them from the pit. He sent His Word and healed them. His Word has healing power in it. Remember, God's Word is medicine. Reason number one that we believe that healing is for everyone is because God's Word is health and medicine to our physical flesh. And He wouldn't have made it that way if He didn't want everyone to be able to use it and be healed. The NLT reads this way, He sent out His Word and healed them and snatched them from the door of death. I like that. And just, blip, gone. Not there anymore. Snatched them from certain death. Let's go back to Luke chapter 5. We had started in Luke 5 where the guy came and asked Jesus, is it your will to heal me? And if you'll... Okay, so he, he gets healed. If you look in verse 15, this is immediately what follows. It says, but the word about him spread even more the Word about Him. Did you hear that? So the message about Him. What He's doing is the same way today. That Word can still spread. Spread even more. And large crowds would come together to hear Him and to remain sick. No. They came to hear and to be healed. To hear and be healed. They were hearing God's Word. God's medicine. And man, that medicine was so strong and powerful it went right into them. Bam! They were healed. If you look over in chapter chapter 6, verses 17 and 19, it's a similar thing. It says, after coming down with them, He stood on a level place with a large crowd out of His disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. He has multiple countries here now. 
Because Tyre and Sidon, that wasn't part of Israel. That was up the Canaanites. They came. Here's, here's something that you have to do. You have to come. You've got to put forth the effort to go. To come. They came to do two things. To hear Him. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. To hear Him. What do we hear? We hear words. Words that are medicine. To hear Him and to be healed of their diseases. And those tormented by unclean spirits were made well. The whole crowd was trying to touch Him because power was coming out from Him and healing them all. Power was coming out of the Word. Jesus is the Word. Power was coming out of the Word. The Word is medicine. You say, why do you keep, keep staying on this point? Because I don't think we have had a strong enough realization and understanding of this simple truth right here. That God's Word is able to make all the difference for you. Yeah, but I read those already and it didn't happen. Well, why don't you go back and keep taking the medicine and believe it? And, and you'll get it. God's Word is medicine. His words heal. Isaiah 55 tells us this about His words. 55.11, He says, So My Word that comes from My mouth will not return to Me empty, but it will accomplish what I please and will prosper in what I send it to do. His words will do what He sends them to do. Every word of God is full of miracle-working power. Wonder-working power. Every one of His words is chock full of Him. His power. So when you find a Scripture, a promise, a healing, where it's promised in, in Scripture, that was God-inspired and God-breathed. Doesn't First Timothy, 2 Timothy tell us that? It says all Scripture is inspired by God, or God-breathed. And it's, it's profitable for... What are we talking about? We're talking about this. What's in these pages is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training... In righteousness. He has given us all things that pertain to life. Life. That's now. Today. Life and godliness. Part of life is health. He has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Well, in His Scripture, that there's goodness in there to train us. To train us to do righteousness. It also says, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That's what those words will do to you. They'll bring healing. They'll equip you. They'll strengthen you. Which takes us to reason number two. So reason number one, why we believe that every, it is the will of God for everyone to be healed is because God's Word is medicine and God's Word is for everyone. Reason number two, that we believe it is God's will to heal all. It's because of what he says in Proverbs 18. Let's go look at it. Proverbs 18 and verse 14. A strong spirit. A strong spirit. That's what we're going to talk about. That's reason number two. God has given us the ability to have a strong spirit. And what does a strong spirit do? In 18.14, it says a man's spirit can endure sickness or sustain sickness. 
sustain him in sickness. Overcome it. But who can survive a broken spirit? The Amplified reads, the strong spirit of a man sustains him in bodily pain or trouble. But a weak and broken spirit, who can raise up or bear? Now does the Lord want you to be strong of spirit or weak of spirit? So if He wants you to be strong, that means that your spirit will be able to overcome any sickness that comes His direction. Will sustain you. That or this Scripture is not true. See, with a strong spirit, you can overcome sickness. This is something that even the doctors and science today is finding out and talking about how that, man, the difference between people living and dying is, is whether how strong they are. They'll talk about having a strong will. Well, that's coming out of their spirit. I mean, even the human unborn again spirit has great potential in this way. But when you have a born again spirit, man, that is God on the inside of you. And now there's a power available to you that is not available to just the human spirit. See, God's contact with you is through your born again spirit. That's where He's going to get everything to you. Now, if healing was not for everyone... Why would he have made such a blanket statement that a man's spirit? He didn't even say the Spirit of God in a man. Man's spirit is able to sustain him in sickness. But with a broken spirit, he's toast. I mean, that was the revised Sidney Robb version. So let's go back again to Proverbs chapter 4. We're going to keep going back there. Reason number one was... God's Word is medicine. Reason number two is a strong spirit will sustain you. A strong spirit. And a, having a strong spirit is the will of God. Let's look in, in Proverbs 4 in verse 23. It says, okay, now this is the verse following what we had read earlier about it's life to everyone, it's health to your body. Now check this out. Guard your heart above all else for it is the source of life. The ISV says it this way, above everything else, guard your heart because from it flow the springs of life. From it flow the springs of life. This heart is talking about your inner man. The inner part of your being. It includes your mind and intellect and feelings and all of it. But it's, it's what's within. It is... You know the connection between your spirit and your body is your mind. And how are we supposed to receive the Word of God? Into our mind. The renewing of our mind. And through that gate of your mind, there is a strengthening that comes into you. And your spirit, that's your spirit eating. When you listen to the Word of God and your mind is being renewed, your spirit is becoming stronger and is eating the Word of God. God's power flows to you through your born-again spirit. It goes through your mind and to your body. If you didn't have a mind, you wouldn't be able to believe. Ephesians 3.16 says it this way. It says, I pray that He may grant you according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with power in the inner man 
through His Spirit. Where's His contact with us? His Spirit, our Spirit. The inner man, our Spirit. So, what does it say here in, in Proverbs 4? 23, guard your heart, guard, you could say even your spirit, above all else, for it is the source of life, or from out of it flow the springs of life. Psalms 138.3 says, On the day that I called, you answered me. You increased strength within me. You increased strength within me. It's from the inside out. And that's where healing comes to. From the inside out. That's why we find in 3 John verse 2, I believe it is, where he says, may you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. See, the inner prosperity is what regulates the outer prosperity in that situation. And so, the inner health, because health was included in that verse, regulates the outer health. So if you can get the Word of God, which is medicine, and eat it, and get it into your spirit, man, which will make you a strong spirit, what will happen? You can make it through sickness. With enough of God's strength, you could do anything, right? Yeah, all things are possible. Say, I have the life of God in me. So how do you get a strong spirit? Eat the Word. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. And we'll look in verse 6. 1 Timothy 4, 6. If you point these things out to the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, nourished by the words of faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Nourished. You know, your spirit needs nourishing. Your spirit needs good nutrition. Just like your outside body, you can't make it on potato chips and ice cream your whole life. I mean, that's not going to be a good remedy to have a long life, right? But if you, the same way on the inside, if you have a good diet for your spirit man on the inside, healthy, nutritious diet, there's a lot of things you can eat. It's not all good for you. But if you have good, healthy Nourishing words of faith. Of the good teaching that you have followed. See, faith is of the Spirit. It's of the Spirit. That access point to the Father. Your born again Spirit. Verse 7, But have nothing to do with irreverent and silly myths. Have nothing to do with... You know, there sure is a lot of silly myths going around today, isn't there? I mean, everyone has a wild story somewhere. From flat earth to you name it. Have nothing to do with irreverent and silly myths. Rather, rather, exercise. Train yourself in godliness. Exercise in godliness. Train yourself. So you're, you're eating good food. It's coming into your spirit. It's making you stronger. Exercise yourself in godliness for the training of the body has limited benefit. Right? If you go to the gym, it'll last for a little while and then it's done. And it's only physical benefit. There's no spiritual benefit there. So, he's not saying don't go to the gym. He's just saying training the body has a limited benefit. But, godliness is beneficial in every way. 
Does that leave the body out? No, that includes the body. Body, soul, spirit. But coming from spirit, soul, body. That's the direction that it flows. Since it holds promise for the present life. There it is again. Not future life. Not nah, well, once we get to heaven. or Oh no, all this healing he talks about must be in Revelations. There at the end in the millennial reign, you know, when, when he comes on that great white horse and rules the earth with an iron scepter and all that, that's when the healing for the nations and the people are healed. Well, then this verse isn't true. We can tear that page out of the Bible. No. But godliness is beneficial in every way. So that means then godliness will also bring health and life. Beneficial in every way since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Both are included. Both are included. Then he says, because he has to bolster what he's saying, this saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. What he just said, it's trustworthy. It deserves full acceptance. You know, if you eat good food versus just junk food, it's going to have a significant difference in your body. But what happens? You could have the best meal prepared for you. It could be put out on the table. And if the 30 minutes before the meal, you were stuffing your face with potato chips and candy and, and other junk, you're going to sit down at that meal and you're not even going to be hungry. But man, I can't take but two bites of this amazing steak and, and the other things. And, you know, how, how, how do I... You know, I'm not even hungry. And so you go away, not nourished, with all this junk on the inside of you because there's not room for the good stuff. But you know I'm not talking about just food, right? You, you guys are a sharp bunch. You know, what are you feeding on and stuffing on the inside of you? What, what are the potato chips that you're eating? I mean, I like potato chips, right? I'm not trying to tell anyone don't eat potato chips. But what are the spiritual potato chips that you're eating? that are blocking you from being able to take in nutritious stuff. So how do you become strong? Well, by eating the Word of God. Job 34.3 said it this way, doesn't the, ear, doesn't the ear test words as the palate tests food? This is how you eat with your spirit through your ear. Right? Faith comes by hearing. You, you nourish by the words that you hear. The ear tests the words as the tongue tastes food. Or Hebrews 6.5 is talking about people that are no longer going to... Uh, well, they were in trouble because they had rejected Jesus. He says, but they had tasted God's good Word and the powers of the coming age. They had tasted His God's good Word. You mean you can taste the Word of God? Yeah. And unlike the medicine that the doctor gives you that sometimes is like, right? This medicine tastes good. And it's good for you. And when you have it, it's like, hmm, yeah. When you eat His Word, it heals you and it goes on the inside of you and the healing comes inside out. Jesus said it this way, man should not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Every word. The Word of God is medicine. It will strengthen you and strengthen your spirit. It's spiritual food. His Word feeds. Someone say, His Word feeds my spirit. Alright, so 
That was, a, that was one, one of the ways that you get a strong spirit. There's another way, and that's called exercise. If you eat just real good nutritious food and that's all you do, and you sit on the couch, what's going to happen? You're going to get fat and lazy, right? So you need exercise. You need to be able to put that steak to work. So how does exercise look? How do you exercise spiritually? You're going to do it. One of the ways that you're going to exercise is with your words. With your words. What you say. That's one of the ways that you exercise spiritually. When you praise and worship the Father, you are, you are exercising. Exalting Him, you're exercising. When you're speaking, praying in tongues, you're exercising. In fact, it says that praying in tongues builds you up. Strengthens your spirit. And so that's exercise. But you do, most of the exercise is going to be done with your mouth. How do we become born again? Well, we believe and we speak. Exercise in faith, though. How many know that you can, you can read the Word and not get anything out of it because nothing's in faith? It's just a checklist on my day of things that I need to do. Hurry up, get this chapter done, let's go. But if you'll sit down and read in faith, and believe God's going to speak to you. And take a moment and silence yourself and say, is there anything you want to say to me? And then you read as though He's talking to you. Man, the words, they're medicine. Man, I'm telling you, they're medicine. Did you know that you can eat right? You can even exercise a lot and still be weak. You can eat right, exercise, and still be weak. Yes. The reason is, is because... <clears throat> Keith Moore calls them drains. He calls them drains. What do I mean drains? Well, if the water coming in is going out as fast as it's coming in, what happens? You never get full. If the drain in the bathtub is open and you got all the water turned on as fast as it'll go, you're not gaining any ground, are you? So it's not a strong spirit. It's just through and gone and done. And doesn't the word Jesus even talked about people that hear the word with gladness, receive it, yay, and then they go out because of the pressures and cares and worries of life, it chokes it out. That word it chokes the word, chokes the medicine. That's a drain. Drains everything they had right away, and so we need to stop up the drains. And so, and so what drains are? Here's just a few of them for you. Fear. fear. Is a big drain. Being fearful, worrying is a drain. I mean, if you want to, if you want to uh, really, really feel whipped, just sit down and worry for an hour. Man, by the end of that hour, you'll barely be able to go to bed. But if you'll sit down and just be with the Lord and in the Word and talk to yourself in the Word for an hour, man, you'll be so excited you won't go to bed either. <laughs> uh. So worry, stress, drains. Too much going on. Just, just always going. Running, running, running. This going, that going. Saying yes to everything. Trying to be everything to everybody. Just too much going on. No time to sit down, silence ourselves. Drains. And then here's a big one. Strife. Strife. And strife will sap you. Like so fast. I mean, have you ever had like, man, everything is great. You got into strife, didn't even last long, and when you were done, you're just like, 
man, I feel whipped and tired and worn out. I mean, maybe I'm the only one. But I mean, I've done that. Strife will drain you so fast. And you feel tired, tired. So we need to use the drain stopper of love, right? Plug it up with love. Love is a commandment, not a suggestion, right? So we're going to feed our spirit, the Word of God. We're going to exercise by saying it. When you say it, that's both feeding and exercising all simultaneously. When you say the Word. We're going to look at a number of Scriptures together. <clears throat> We're going to start with Joel 3. Let's go over there. Joel chapter 3, verse 10. And we're going to hear shortly, I might just have John put him up on the screen so that we can all look at the same translation. Because we're going to look at a whole bunch of them. Joel 3, verse 10 says this. Hammer your plowshares into... Okay, let's back up a verse. Proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for holy war. Rouse the warriors. Let all the men of war advance and attack. Hammer your plowshares into swords and pruning knives into spears. Let even the weakling say, I am a warrior. Let even the weak say, I am strong. Now, don't lose sight of what we're talking about. We're talking about a strong spirit. Reason number one, the Word of God's medicine. Reason number two, we believe that it is God's will to heal everyone is because He made so that a strong spirit can sustain and overcome sickness. So we've asked the question and we've answered it. How do we get a strong spirit? Well, by eating the Word of God, exercising in the Word of God, doing it in faith, and one of the ways that we exercise is by saying it. Right here. Let the weak say. Not think. The weak think I'm strong. No, let the weak say I am strong. In fact, the word weak means frail or feeble. Let the feeble. Someone who's shaky. Barely stand. The feeble. Someone that you just push them and they fall over. They're supposed to say, I'm, I'm a mighty warrior. I'm strong. The word strong is powerful. I'm powerful, but it carries the idea of a man of war. I am the word the word warrior means or strong means mighty, champion, powerful. Let the feeble say, I am a mighty champion. The champion is someone who's done some things, right? Let the weak say it. Let's just say it right now. I am strong. I am strong. The Word of God is working in me, and I am strong. So what if you don't feel strong? You say it. You say it. If you identify yourself as weak, then this is exactly what you do. Say, I am strong. And you take the Word of God and you begin to confess it. You know, Isaiah 40.29 says, He gives strength to the weary and strengthens the powerless. He gives strength to those who are tired, worn out, weary. All those that are weary and heavy laden, come to Me, Jesus said, and I will give you rest. So He gives strength. Jesus is the Word, right? He gives strength to the weary. He, he strengthens, makes you strong in the people that are powerless. Let's go to Psalm 18, verse 32. Look up at the screen. 
God, He clothes me with strength and makes my way perfect. Now who does this? God does. How does He do it? Through His Word. His Word is medicine. And through that medicine comes strength into your spirit man. That's where strength is at. Is in your spirit man, not in your flesh. Let the weak say I am strong. Not talking about the outward conditions. Going to talk about the inward condition. And then let the outward condition catch up with the inward condition. Let the weak say I am strong. Well, God, He, he clothes me. He robes me. He, he dresses me with strength. And makes my way perfect. The uh, Living Bible says it this way. He fills me with strength and protects me wherever I go. Let's say that. He fills me with strength. He fills me with strength. He fills me with strength. I am strong because He fills me with His strength. Verse 39 in the same chapter says, You have clothed me with strength for battle. Wow. For battle. You have clothed me with strength for battle. You subdue my adversaries beneath me. He clothes me with weakness? No. So the Word of God has a strengthening effect to you. And if the Word of God has a strengthening effect to you, then how can it be His will that you be weak and feeble and dead from a disease? Because that's two opposites. The Word of God gives me strength. Someone say that. Let's go to Psalm 27.1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom should I be afraid? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. That word stronghold means fortress. Like strong tower type thing. The Lord is... He's what? He's the stronghold of my life. What are we reading? The Word. The Word. Now, if we didn't know this, we might not believe it. But since we just read it, suddenly on the inside of us is building up, yeah. Right? That's called faith. And excitement begins to build up in you. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I be afraid? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Let's say it. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. He is my strength. The NLT reads this way, The Lord is my light and my salvation, so whom should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? (laughs) How could you tell if you had a weak spirit? You're fearful. You have dread. You're depressed. You just feel down and defeated. No excitement. A person of no vision. No faith. All of that is fruit or symptoms from a weak spirit. You know, when you're full of faith, when your spirit is strong, you're not going to feel defeated, right? And down and out. I mean, I suppose most of us have felt down and out from time to time. And that is an indicator for you. It's like the fuel gauge. Well, man, I'm really feeling down tonight. Well, it could be one of two things. Maybe you are having a weak spirit right now and you need to go build it up. Or maybe it's a spiritual attack oppressing you that you need to take authority over and get rid of. Because that happens too. 
but our strength, the joy of the Lord. One of the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the inner man, Spirit. And what is that fruit? Joy. Love. Kindness. Patience. Whole list. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Proverbs 17.22 says this, a joyful heart is good medicine. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit, here's the other side of it, dries up the bones. A broken spirit dries up the bones. The TS 2009 translation reads this way, a rejoicing heart causes good healing. A rejoicing heart causes good healing. So, a strong spirit has an overcoming attitude, right? Remember the Israelites, Caleb and Joshua? I mean, we had one group of people that were depressed and down and out and sad and saying we can't do it, we can't go in. They were magnifying the problem. They had all their magnifying glasses out, even telescopes. And they were really drawing it in. But Caleb and Joshua, they had their magnifying glasses and telescopes out too. They were just pointed in a different direction. They were pointed at the Father and going, oh, we can do it. Come on, man. He said He's going to help us overcome. What is that? Strong spirit. Strong spirit. Using their words to speak life. Exercising and eating. They were repeating what the Lord said would happen. The Lord's Word. Strength. Words for strength. Let's go to Psalm 28, 7 and 8. Look up at the screen. The Lord is my strength. Let's say that. The Lord is my strength. And my shield. My heart trusts in Him. And I am helped. Therefore, my heart rejoices. And I praise Him with my song. The Lord is my strength. Say that again. The Lord is my shield. My heart trusts Him. I am helped by Him. Look at chapter 29, verse 11. The Lord gives His people strength. Remember, it comes to you through your spirit man. That's your contact with the Father. The Lord blesses His people with peace. We're talking about having a strong spirit. And it's hard to be strong when you're not at peace. Yesterday morning, in my quiet time, I was asking the Lord, you know, is there anything you want to tell me today? Anything that you want to uh, make sure I do or accomplish? This is what he said to me. He said, be at peace and enjoy your day. I'm like, yes! Was, I can't tell you how that just washed over me. I'm like, yeah, peace. I lay hold of that. I'm at peace. I'm going to enjoy my day. And there was a few moments where I had a little pressure show up and I remembered that word. I'm like, no, I'm going to enjoy my day because I'm at peace. And I just smile and wave. Right? Alright, says the Lord gives His people strength. Are you His people? Then for this verse to be true, it means He gives you strength. He does it through His Word. The Word we're reading right now. Faith comes by hearing. So our spirit man is eating right now. Say, the Lord gives me strength. Chapter 68, verse 35. God, You are awe-inspiring in Your sanctuaries. The God of Israel gives power and strength to His people. May God be praised. He gives power and strength to you. That He gives power. He gives strength to me, His people. Let's look at 71.16. Let's have it up in the New King James. 
I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of your righteousness of yours only. Man, this is good. This is like you just had the best bite of steak right there. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. Is there anything he couldn't do? I mean, that's more than enough strength than you can possibly think of. We, we don't even understand the amount of power that it takes to keep all these planets spinning and organized. And it's nothing to Him. And all His strength is available to you and I. I will go. Someone say, I will go. In the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of your righteousness. Of yours only. 73.26 My flesh and my heart may fail, but God, but God, how many know we need the but God? Right? Because we've all had weak flesh. We've all had flesh that's been trembling and weak and doesn't want to go, doesn't want to cooperate, and it just needs discipline. Right? It says, my flesh and my heart may fail, so the strength that the Lord's giving you is in spite of your outward condition. And it's coming to the inner man. But God, who is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. God is the strength of my heart. Someone say, God is the strength of my heart. He is the strength of my life. He gives me strength. Liberally. Chapter 84, 7. They go from strength to strength. Each appears before God in Zion. So even though you may be at a level of strength right now, there's another one you can come to. There's another one we can go to. We don't have to be at the level we've been at before, but we can continue to go from faith to faith and glory to glory. Strength to strength. Say, I am going from strength to strength. Even more strength. Alright, put up Philippians 4.13. Remember, we're talking about having a strong spirit. This is how you get a strong spirit. is by saying the Word. Speaking the Word. Declaring the Word over yourself. And as you take the medicine of God, and as you eat it, as you exercise in it, as you speak it, there is an overcoming that comes on you that is God. In you and on you, through you. Philippians 4.13 Let's say this together. I am able to do all things through Him who strengthens me. Do you have that in the Amplified? I am able. Someone say that. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Through Him. Through Christ. Through the Anointed One. Here, the, the Amplified says, I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through Him who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I love it. The Amplified just Holds a magnifying glass over certain scriptures, right? <laughs> Draws them in, blows them up. Not blows them up, bang, but like expands them. Yeah, amplifies. 
I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. Someone say, I am ready for anything. Equal to anything. Through Him who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Hallelujah. Let's look at Ephesians 6.10. Is this causing anyone to grow on the inside? Strengthen on the inside? Reason number one, we believe God's Word is medicine. Reason number two is a strong spirit will sustain the sick person. And He wants you strong. And He has given us a surefire way to be strong. He's clearly given it to us in Scripture. 6.10 here, it says, Finally, be strengthened. Be strong by the Lord. Or in the Lord. And in His vast strength. Be strong in the Lord. Someone look at your neighbor. Say, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Now, look back at him again and say, I'll do that. Alright, let's look at some words... Medicine for healing, in particular for healing, because that's what we're talking about. Psalms 30, verse 2. Lord my God, I cried to You for help, and You healed me. Is the Lord a respecter of persons? No, the Word says His ear is open to the cry of the righteous. He answers when the righteous call. And how are we made the righteous? Well, by the blood of Jesus. So that you can come right into the throne room, right up to Daddy God, and and find mercy, because we all need it, and help and grace in our time of need. Crying out to Him, and He heals you. This is is a promise. I mean, he's, He's saying this, He did it for Him. And if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, why would we say He wouldn't do it for someone else? Let's go to 41.3. The Lord will sustain him on his sickbed. You will heal him on the bed where he lies. You, Father God, will heal him on the bed where he lays. So if you're down and out, you're sick in bed, you're on your face in the hospital with, on a ventilator with COVID, you know it's not too late. That's right. It's not too late. God heals you. If you'll just grab a hold and believe it. If you'll just take a hold of the Scripture and eat it. The Lord will sustain him on his sickbed. Well, that's the same word we had earlier about a strong spirit will sustain a man in sickness. Let's say this. Let's say, you heal me on the bed where I lie. Let's go to Psalm 103. You know, I had, I had an aunt that had got this cancerous growth on her arm. And so... She was. Um, she, they found some salve that's supposed to like kill it, and so they were trying to decide: Do we do that? Do we go the medical route of all the chemo and everything they do? Do we go down to Mexico, um, where they have some cancer clinics down there, and try to find some help down there? And they were trying to decide what they they should do. And I was talking with somebody else about this, of another family member, and they were saying that you know. They are just, um, you know, whatever the Lord's will. I said, well, I'm going to be praying for them to, to be healed. And they said, yeah, you know, we, we just want the Lord's will. And I said, well, what do you mean? They said, well, you know, I mean, obviously, He knows best. 
and he knows everything, and what we think is sometimes good is not necessarily what he thinks is good. And so, you know, if it's the Lord's will to heal her, then great. I said, well, okay. I said, um, then what we should do is find out if God wants to kill her or heal her. And pray that way. Well, wait a minute. Well, if it's possibly God's will that she have this, then just go ahead and have it. I said, if, if you think that it's God's will, that if they think it's God's will for me to have it, then they shouldn't be going to any of those doctors. But we should actually be like, yeah, grow, cancer, grow. <laughs> and <laughs> instantly they saw it. They were like, no, no, I don't think it's the Lord's will for, for her to have this. Um, what, I guess what they're trying to decide is, is which one of the methods of healing is the Lord's will. Right? Which place to go to. I said, well, that I can get on board with. Let's pray that the Lord show them which one to use and, and it'll, it'll be okay. And so, so we did. And um, I think they ended up using a salve and the whole thing just fell out of her arm and she was healed. And um, of course, we'd, they were praying. We were praying. And, and hallelujah. Words for healing. Psalms 103, verse 3. He forgives all your sins. He heals all. Your diseases. Okay, let's, let's say this, but let's, pers- let's go back. Let's personalize it. He forgives all my sins. Let's say it again. He forgives all my sins. Alright, so then that means there can be no condemnation between you and Him. Because it's forgiven. So now there's nothing but free-flowing access, you and Him. For this next part. He heals all my disease. Let's say it again. He heals all my diseases. Any disease left out. I mean, there's some stubborn ones out there. But no disease left out. No disease left out. He heals all my diseases. So if the first part is true, that He forgives all our sin, then He heals all our diseases. If He heals all our diseases, it cannot be the will of God for someone to not be healed. Maybe there's such a thing as judgment, but that's different. That's not His will. That's other circumstances coming into play. But He heals all our diseases. Except for the ones where he's trying to teach you something. Doesn't say that. Let's look at verse 4. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. Verse 5. He satisfies you with goodness. And your youth is renewed like the eagle. Your youth is renewed. That means it had gone away. That's good news for some of us. It's renewed. That means when I was revved up and souped up and ready to go, I am again. Because He renews me. He satisfies you with badness. Oh, no, that's not what it says. He satisfies you with sickness. Oh, He satisfies you with goodness. Is sickness good? We just need to have as much sense as... You know, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, when they ate that, they, now, they already understood good. They just didn't understand evil. 
Now they do. I understand sickness is evil. I'm at least that smart. And healing is good. Having a renewed youth is good. Say, my youth youth. is renewed. renewed. Like an eagle. eagle. He satisfies me with goodness. Exodus 23, verse 25. says, Worship the Lord your God, and He will bless your bread and your water. I will remove illness from you. So he's speaking to, to, to them here, and he's saying, do this. Worship the Lord your God. That's part of exercising. Eat and exercise. Worship the Lord your God, and He will bless your bread and your water. He's going to bless your income. He's going to bless the thing you eat. He's going to bless where your refreshment comes from. And he's going to go further than that. He says, I will remove illness from from you. I will remove illness from you. I'm going to make an exception just this one time and go against my normal will for you all to be sick. And this time I'll remove the illness. No. It just sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? Say, he will bless my bread and my water. Because I worship the Lord my God, He will remove illness from me. Look at your neighbor and tell him, He will remove illness from you. Tell him again, He will remove illness from you. Woo! We're having fun tonight. Isaiah 53, 5. But He was pierced because of our transgressions, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on Him, and we are healed by His wounds. Now, this is talking about Jesus, and we'll have a whole sermon on redemption, or maybe several of them. But this particular one, Jesus is the Word. The Word is medicine. And right here, it just clearly tells us that we are healed by His wounds. Say, I am healed by His wounds. Say it again. I am, I am healed, healed. Signed, and sealed signed and sealed by His wounds. Alright, let's look at Jeremiah. Jeremiah 33, verse 6. Yet I will certainly bring health and healing to it and will indeed heal them. I will let them experience the abundance of peace and truth. Health and healing. I will certainly bring health and healing, will indeed heal them. Not maybe, not if, not if it's the Lord's will, not if it pleases me, just a blanket promise to them, I will let them experience the abundance of peace and truth. Someone say, I am strong strong. in the power of the Lord. Lord. He's working mightily in me. His Word is alive in me. I believe His Word. His Word heals me. I am delivered by His Word. Hallelujah. All right, you may stand. And we are going to worship the Lord. And what we're going to do is we're going to exercise. Right? I just fed a whole bunch of Scripture to you. And so you've eaten. You're you're fat and full. It's time to get up and start doing some bench pressing. Right? It's time to get up and start doing some exercising and, and worship the Lord God for His goodness. Worship Him that healing is His will for you. Someone say, healing, healing. Is, the will of God is the will of God for you.
for me every time. And I receive it. I believe it. It's true for me. It's true for you. Hallelujah. He is good. Yes, I was wanting someone to finish it. Thank you. His mercy endures forever. Who can say, I will see His goodness in the land of the living because He is good to me. Does He deserve our song? You know what He deserves even more than our song? Is our obedience, our life. The Father gave everything. Everything for you. Will you give everything for Him? He is good. Father, you are good. You are awesome. <laughs> you are so kind. You're full of mercy. You're, you're just patient with us. You see our end before our beginning and you know what we need and you prepare it in advance. Thank you, Father, for this. Thank you that you cause us to be the head, not the tail. Thank you that you cause overcoming strength to come on the inside of us. Thank you that you, you give us all that we need for life and godliness. Someone say, I am strong in the power of the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, one way we love God is by loving on one another. So do that. We have a time of fellowship downstairs. Everyone is invited. Go in His strength. Amen. Good evening, everyone. So glad that you're all here tonight. Welcome to Church of the Word International here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. <laughs> Amen. Does anybody know what this is? It's my trusty magnifying glass. <laughs> you know what a magnifying glass does? It makes things appear bigger. They're actually not bigger, but you use it to make it look bigger. So what it does is it changes my perspective, right? So if I want to look at your eye through a magnifying glass, it makes it look bigger. You know, we can do that with our problems or we can do that with our worship. The book of Psalms says in 34, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and exalt his name together. That doesn't mean when you feel like it. That means we're to magnify the Lord and exalt his name all the time, continually. It's a state of being. It's a state of mind. It's, it's who we are. It's our nature to worship the Lord. Did you know that? I was going to say it's your second nature, but as a born-again believer, it's your nature to worship your Creator, your Savior, your Lord. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and exalt His name together. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Not in your pocketbook, not in your situations, but trust in the Lord. 
So tonight, let's take up our magnifier and let's magnify the Lord together and exalt his name. Let's all stand together as individual children of God, but corporately assembling as a family of God. Amen. Lost in worship, John. I, 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 <laughs> Father, we thank you so thank much you, for this thank beautiful you, night tonight. A, a time you, to assemble together in worship, magnifying you, exalting your name. We are so thankful to be called children of God in the kingdom of heaven here on the earth in association with other born-again believers walking together in unity and love building our our faith up together father we're just so grateful thank you thank you thank you we love you we thank you for the holy spirit tonight we thank you for that our hearts are open to receive all that you have for us tonight lord holy spirit move as you will among your people we celebrate you and honor you tonight. We thank you, even for the gifts of the Holy Spirit to flow. Father, we belong to you. Our hearts belong to you. Let our worship, let our praise, let the word of God be a sweet incense to your nose tonight. Let us honor you and please your heart. That is our desire. We give you all the glory, Jesus. You deserve it all. You're so worthy. Hallelujah. And one way we acknowledge that with one another is by our love. So turn to someone and say, I love you. And I'm so glad you're a part of this beautiful family. The children may be dismissed. Well, it's good to be with you here tonight. How about you? Are you glad to be with fellow believers in the house of the Lord? Is there anyone that's here for the very first time? We'd like to welcome you, if this is your first time, to Church of the Word International. All right. And I just wanted to encourage you tonight to give or to return your tithe in faith. To give in faith. Amen. Scripture says we're to live by faith. I mean, how many times there's numerous places in Scripture that says, my righteous one shall live by faith. And um, I know many of you are probably familiar with the ones in Romans and Hebrews and I don't know, where else is it? Galatians. But Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 4, the, the last part of it says it also. But the righteous shall live by his faith. 
So I just want to talk about this a little bit. What does this mean? Some people think, it seems like they think it's just sitting on the couch, not having a job, not really doing anything. We're just living by faith. I don't know, waiting for something. But I mean, well, that's half good. You should be expecting. Doesn't necessarily mean you're not doing anything unless God told you to sit on the couch. <laughs> but if you're living in faith, that means every day that you're living in expectancy, that you're expecting something, and in particular, something good. Means you get out of bed expecting you're going to have a good day, that God's going to show up. You're going to have answers. You're going to come on over top. You're not beneath. You're on top. You know that there's provision. There's, he's faithful. You're expecting God to keep his word. Uh, you're expecting him to be good. You're expecting to be blessed. Just this is living by faith. So as we return our tithe, what can we expect according to Malachi chapter 3, verses 10 and 11? What can we expect? Anything? That the windows of heaven is opened for us, that the devourer is rebuked for our sake, that our needs are met. We can believe this. We can expect that. So Let's just return the tithe to the Lord, because it's his, and let's expect good things. Expect blessing and provision. All right, let's pray over the tithe. Father, we just present to you the tithe this evening. We're just grateful children. We're grateful for your promises. And I thank you, Lord, that we can confidently expect you to keep your word, that you are a faithful provider, and that we can count on you and rely on you completely. And we just put our trust in you tonight, Lord, in Jesus' name, and amen. And the ushers can pass the baskets, and the people will give to the Lord. So we got, um, get out your magic marker and get ready to mark your calendar because we got some stuff to mark in our calendars. So this coming Saturday, the women have a free breakfast coming up and we're going to be speaking on living a fulfilled life. So I'll, I'll be speaking. You can be praying. <laughs> um, but if you plan to come, please sign up. So we set a place for every name that's on the paper back there. So if you plan to attend, uh, please sign up um, by Wednesday, well, tonight, but <laughs> today. <laughs> we start setting up on Wednesday. There's also going to be a white elephant table, so that's going to be fun. So come prepared to just fellowship with ladies and friends and believe God that you're going to hear something that would change your life and be a pivotal moment for you. Also, um, October, let's go through October 1st. So we've got a praise and worship night coming up October 28th. So mark your calendars for that. We've got weekend or a, well, I don't know if it's weekend or midweek or what it is, but it's a time of meetings with Kurt Owens starting October 31st through the 4th. And then we have our CWI Fall Barn Party, and that's November 8th, uh, starting at 4 p.m. at Aaron and Shawnee's Barn. Please mark your calendars for that. So lots of fun, good, edifying things available for you.